No, no. I'm gonna trade you two sheep for that wood Tell me honey, does that sound good? Cause all I really wanna do Is take away longest road from you, yeah Welcome to these tabletop sessions Welcome to the, welcome to the, welcome to these tabletop sessions Hello fellow gregarious geeks and gamers. Welcome to the 18th episode of the Tabletop Sessions podcast, where we talk about all things tabletop related that have been occupying the hearts and minds of this international group of gamers over the course of the last three weeks. My name is Elias, and with me this week are Dima, Ipo, and our personal representative of the World Champions of Rugby. We, uh, congratulations My to friend. the World for winning the World Cup in rugby. How do you feel, Byron? I feel over the moon. It was a much-needed win for South Africa. Not in sense of sport, but in sense of we've had a really rough year. So this was this was nice. English people also had a rough year. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, their, their rough year isn't over yet. <laughs> it's going to be a rough decade. for. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that was a great one. Um, I'm sorry if I'm a bit hard to understand today. I'm, for some reason, super congested. I think it's allergies. But I, I had to be here. Couldn't miss it. No sick days. Hashtag no sick days. <laughs> You're so committed. You're so committed. I'm going to put that on Instagram. <laughs> Hashtag. Uh, 2008 was uh, a hard uh, year for farmers. And speaking of farmers... <laughs> I was There's playing. No farmers <laughs> yes, but it's a Nuva Rosenberg game. So everybody <laughs> would suspect that there are some farmers there. And in reality, there are certain buildings that help you uh, turn the wheat into uh, bread and uh, some other stuff like that. Even if it's not a farming game in the classical uh, mean, it's still the same feeling as Caverna, Agricola, all these Uwe Rosenberg games, Fist for Odin. Still, for me, it's his greatest game. Okay, first of all, the artists in this game are uh, Clemens Franz. The publisher is Lookout Games. And 2008, this hard year, was the year of the, that uh, the game was published. I've never played it. Tell us more about it. Okay, so I played this game with uh, two of my friends in uh, Athens. Uh, Ooh, look who shout has out to <laughs> <laughs> so the game is very easy that's that's the beauty of this game uh, you have you are doing two things in your turn the first thing is uh, not an option it's mandatory you just distribute newly supplied goods in the offer spaces so there is a pile of wood and the game tells you okay just put another wood there and there's a pile of bread, put another bread there. And then you have the option either to take one pile of resources or to place a building by using the resources you have already acquired. So it's so easy, but the buildings are giving you, you, are giving you then more options. And you can use the buildings also of the other players by paying them usually. So it's 
such a straightforward idea, but for me, and there are many games like that, right? But for me, it's the best implementation of this idea. And uh, I played it uh, both with uh, three players, four players. It was lovely. And I want to play it again. I still believe it's the best Uwe Rosenberg game. I don't know what else to say about it. This is the first time you play it, like this year? No, I've played this game, uh, interestingly, 10 years ago. And my memory was that it was one of the best games. But then I thought, yeah, but I played it 10 years ago. Maybe in, the, maybe in yeah. the meantime, there are better games. No, it's still amazing. Wow. wow. This is one I've, I've always wanted to try. I've only played uh, Le Havre Inland Port, which is the two-player version of it. Mm -hmm. But I've never actually played the full version of Le Havre. This is one of like my um, board gaming blind spots, if you can say it, that I've looked over. And um, I'd really like to try it because... The people that I tend to agree with in my gaming taste, like Ipo and so on, they tend to say it's Uwe Rosenberg's best game. So, I mean, that's definitely something I'd like to try. But right now, I don't actually know anyone that owns it. So uh, that's not But saying out. that, you have traded away Caverna, which is my second favorite Uwe Rosenberg's game. Yes, but I didn't trade away Caverna because I didn't like it. I traded away Caverna because we played it a ton. And I like it best the two players. But at the same time, I preferred other farming games at two players, specifically La Granja. So it just got to the point that I wouldn't want to play it with more than two or three. And there are other games I preferred at that player count. So I traded it to you. So it's not, <laughs> it's not like, it's not like yeah. I got it's rid of like it. It's not like you can play it anymore. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, also a lot of the charm faded with Caverna. Like the reason I like Caverna so much was the building of the cave specifically. But a lot of that charm fades away when you first get through all the different kinds of buildings and then it becomes like a purely strategy game and for me it's not my favorite kind of strategy game um, just a straight up worker placement game so I have no issues with Caverna I still think it's a very solid game very good game and I'd like to try Le Havre if that's okay with you Ipo of course <laughs> one more thing that is uh, uh, interesting about this game uh, it has two modes the short version and the long version so the first time we played the long version, because I I believe there's a gamer that you should always play the long version if it's available. But uh, one other night, we didn't have enough time, so we played the short version, and it turns out it's exactly the same game, just less turns, so less time. You just And it's equally amazing in both versions. Wow. I don't think, as a gamer, like, longer is better. I mean... One of the main reasons mm -hmm. we're drawn to Pax Renaissance is that it's quite short, you know? One of the main yeah. reasons we're, we, I only play Zaya at three players is because it's way shorter. So um, so if you take a new game and it gives you two options, the short version and the long one. Uh, for example, Archipelago, I've only played short. But if it gives me the complete version and the basic version, I always pick the complete version. Correct. That's the difference. So through the ages, I've never played the basic or advanced. I've always played the complete game. But when it comes to long, no, I prefer short, to be honest. Like, and uh, Archipelago is long enough when you play the... Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and the, a lot of games are. So mm -hmm. it really just comes down to, you know, what was it? And also if I'm playing it on a weekend, I'll probably say, let's experience the whole thing. But if I'm playing it on a weekday, there's no chance. Bravo, Elias. That was the uh, correct answer. One point for Elias. Oh, woohoo! <laughs> <laughs>
And so, guys, that was Le Havre. This week, we received just one. Yay! We're super excited about it. <laughs> it finally us. arrived. I'm sorry. I was just ex- expecting to say just one game or something. <laughs> Every time you say just one, I, I expect you to say something more. like Just one shipment of games. <laughs> Which is a lie. We received two, two shipments. So, lie. (laughs) This was designed by the Seventh Continent team, Ludovic Rudi and Bruno Sauter. That's still so crazy to me. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely way simpler. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The publisher is Repros Production, and it was uh, released in 2018. And it won Spiel des Jahres 2018. Woohoo! So um, we were very excited to try it. The game plays up to seven, and it's a co op. Basically, um, I find that very interesting a co op party game. Yeah. Specifically. That was definitely a first of its kind. Yeah. We've never I don't know played. if it's the first of its kind. No, I mean, in our group, we've never played a co op party game. Yeah, I yeah. think that might be the first one. So it's usually two teams. True. But yeah. In so, general, sorry, other co-op party games? I mean, I don't think very many. I think I don't know part of the appeal of party games is beating your friends. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so basically it's um, 13 cards that the team has to get through. And on your turn, you'll each card has four words. You pick a word on the card, like you pick, word number three without looking at the words and then the other players look at that word and then write a clue for that word then they all reveal their words to each other if any any players wrote the same word or a similar word then they have to erase it and then you're left with whatever unique words are available and then you have to guess so if you guess, you get the card. And when you get 13 cards, you win. If you pass, then you just put that card away. If you guess wrong, you put that card away. And you also have to discard an extra card. So you'll lose two cards. Um, and then you score up to 13 in the end. We had a good time. But I still felt like compared to other games like Trap Words, the crypto code names, this, the environment seemed more mellow. Like we were having a good time, but it wasn't like excessively funny or because it's a co-op, right? So you can't really make fun of each other. Oh, you can make fun of each other. (laughs) You can. but You can undoubtedly (laughs) make fun of each other. I just didn't feel like there was as much excitement because it was a co-op. It felt a couple things. Um, I agree with everything you said. I think the game is clever in two specific areas. The way that cancellations of each other's words are done. Mm -hmm. Because basically the more obvious you are, the less clues your guesser will have. Right. And I think the clever part is adding the pass mechanic. So adding the punishment for having a wrong answer is really good because it makes people scared to guess if they're not 100% sure. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, where it falls down for me as well is the co-op thing. Because, Mm -hmm. I mean, it was great. And we'd all be like, yeah, we got it right. Or, oh, we got it wrong. And then we just move on. Like usually when someone gets it right, 
in our group, there's a lot of like, oh, we're going to fuck you guys up. <laughs> <laughs> and there's none of that. That being said, I also want to point out that a friend of ours, British friend, played it and bought it on the spot because she believed her family would really enjoy it. So very true. I, I, I think I want to play this a lot more than just one night of playing this. And I want to try it in different atmospheres. I think my family might like it and so on. Mm -hmm. But there are people that I know that just would not appreciate it just because they don't get to talk trash. Although I don't know if you don't get to talk trash because I called Ipo the weak link like a thousand times because <laughs> <laughs> he was so bad at this game. <laughs> I was great. <laughs> oh, man. But Dima said that, that uh, there was not so much fun. And as you said, yes, it depends totally on the group. So yes, it, it's going to be a great game maybe for uh, Harit's family or for your family. But for me, I don't want to play this game again. I <laughs> don't know why it was the winner of uh, Spiel des Jahres. Maybe it's better in German. <laughs> uh, also, it's the first game that I know that says draw 13 cards. <laughs> 13? What, what number Random. is that? I mean, do you know any other game saying 13? It's always 12, 10, 14. Right? Anyway. Uh, <laughs> that's not a problem for the game, but I had some fun, but at the same time I was expecting, as, as we said, I was expecting to to compete with someone to to make it more interesting. So it sounds like we'd like this game if it was not co-op. Actually, me and Ipo came up with a competitive version. We said, if you only have, say, eight people, you have two teams of uh, four, mm -hmm. and then uh, and each one has a deck of 13 cards. So at the same time, w one member of each of the four is going to pick up their word and show it to the other three members. But since there's three other people, they will get to uh, write two words each, same as the three-player variant in the game. Oh. So you would have six words, but because you have to come up with two, it's going to be harder not to end up with obvious ones, right? Mm -hmm. So you're going to end up hopefully with a lot of crossovers. And there should be enough to do it because there's seven um, there's seven things. But one team would have to play at a time. Um, okay, so we'll try it on Tuesday and we'll get back to you on well, whether yeah, that works. Our homebrew <laughs> version of competitive just one. But for us, just one stuck out of the box. It's fine. It's good. Probably great with families. We had a good time. Yeah, we did. But we don't have anyone clamoring for it or the way we do with other games like monikers and code names. Or instead of coming up with new versions of this game, you can just play the crypto, <laughs> which is exactly the same thing. And it's competitive. Okay. Thank and you so much. And that was just one. And the same uh, shipment that came with just one. Um, <laughs> This is the main reason I ordered the shipment. The just one was more to close out the order. Um, we ordered Era Medieval Age, which is the new Matt Leacock game with a gorgeous cover with uh, artist Chris Quilliams and published by Eggertspiel this year, 2019. And I believe this is the first in a trilogy of games following this system that he's going to be designing for Medieval Age. The basic idea is it's a roll and write without writing. So every turn you're going to roll the dice and then you're going to get to re-roll like Yahtzee style. And then what you end up with, you get to do certain things with them. But as opposed to normal roll and write games, this one has gorgeous miniatures that you plug into like a board of like little peg holes 
and you're literally building a three-dimensional city um, over the course of the game. So um, they just interlock with each other and they wrap around each other and it's just it's just a really fun toy to play with. So I'll be I'll go through what I liked about it and what I didn't like. May I ask something? How do we call these games now? It's a roller right, as you say. It's it's definitely roller right. It's a roller built. This one. Yeah, I I think I'd call this game um, deluxe roll and rights. <laughs> oh, that's that's better. You're that, writing that, in that gives exactly <laughs> what it is. All right, so I'm going to talk about what I liked and what I didn't like, as I always do. What I liked about this game is at the end of it, when you look at your city, it's amazing. Like I, I was taking pictures of it like I was on vacation in France. Like I was taking pictures at different angles, trying to get like cool. Th- I didn't get a really good one because I suck at photography, but I was trying, which is what matters. It's the first time I wish I had a macro lens on my camera so I could mm-hmm. like zoom in. Okay, so it's gorgeous when it's finished. Secondly, um, I love the interactivity of the game. So over the course of the game, some people might see this as a negative. Walls are very important. They're not worth anything by themselves. But over the course of the game, they sort of double the points of everything else that you built. Um, but there's kind of like a, a a race for the walls. But you don't want to rush too much into it because if you spend too much time building walls, you're not going to get enough dice. You're not going to get enough, which are your workers, basically. And you're not going to get enough items and resources. And everyone else is going to pass you. But if you wait too long, there's a potential that you've built a huge area of wall and not had the ability to close it, which makes it completely worthless. So there's a race, which is a self-timing aspect of this game that is built right into it. And all the games I've played, there's always been someone that gets screwed by the wall race. It was Demon the first game. It was AK in the second game. So I love that aspect, and I think it brings a ton of interactivity into the game. There's also a built-in interactive aspect, which is swords, which is, the ability to steal from each other. And I think this is a less important interactive element than the walls. Because, yeah, you get to steal a resource here and there. It's okay. It's nice. It's fun. It adds something else to worry about in the game. But I think I loved the race for the walls in the game. Um, I also really enjoyed that it was a very simple game to teach. Like, I felt like I could teach in about 10 to 15 minutes. And... But the difference between the first time I played it and the second time I played it, there was a vast difference in my ability to play the game, which to me is usually a sign of depth and strategy and tactics. So I think I think that says something. Um, but my favorite part about this game is there's a weird push-your-luck element built into it. So one thing you can get on these dice, you can get resources, you can get build actions, you can get um, points, basically culture, and all these things you use to build your city and to get points and to double your points and get end game scoring points. But there's another thing on it, which are skulls. And when you get skulls, you cannot re-roll those dice that have skulls on them. And depending on how many skulls you have, there's a different thing that happens. Depending from one to six or more skulls, you could end up with disasters that will vastly change your thing. You could lose buildings, you could lose... Um, resources and so on, but buried within that, at specifically at uh, I believe it's three skulls and five skulls. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. At three skulls and five skulls, if you roll three skulls or five skulls, you get to do something bad to your opponents. 
But if you roll one, two, four, or six or higher, the bad thing happens to you. So there's a weird built push your luck aspect built into this punishment aspect. So at one point I'm like, well, I have two skulls. I'm going to lose something. You know what? I'm going to roll these again and hope for skulls because if I get a third skull, then I punish everyone else. And I got that. But on the flip side, Ipo rolled four skulls and that's a terrible thing. Mm -hmm. So he decides, you know what? I'm going to go for five skulls. So he re-rolls three dice and he gets two more skulls, which is an even worse thing that happened to him because six skulls sucks and five skulls is good. <laughs> and that part of the game is so, I, I like that. I think that's the definition of design in a game. Like it added this fun push your luck element into something that could just easily be the more skulls you have, the worse it is for you, you know, which I would think 95% of games are like. So these are the things I really enjoyed about Era Medieval Age. It was hard for me to come up with things I didn't like. I'm not saying this is the best game in the world. I'm saying this game is like very solid, good, very good. I enjoyed it. It's, you know, somewhere in the seven or eight out of 10, which is really good for me. Um, but there were things I didn't like, but they weren't big issues. One thing was I felt like there's a runaway leader problem. And I only say that because in the first two games I played, um, I knew who was going to win both of them about 60% of the way through the game. Mm -hmm. And there was basically nothing I could do about it. Um, so there's that to keep in mind. The other thing which I want to talk to you guys about is the price. So this is a game that has a lot of stuff in it. Okay. But the gameplay is simplistic. So, I paid $50 for it. The MSRP is $70. So if you ask me if I paid too much, I always have a double answer. I paid too much for the kind of game it is, but I did not pay too much for the amount of stuff I got in it. So if the components are what's making this worth the money, I wanted to ask you guys, do you feel like the components had a direct impact on the game? Or do you feel like they could have made this cheaper and sold it for 25, 30 bucks? What do you guys think? I think, 70 bucks is steep. I didn't pay 70. Oh. That's MSRP, um, which is what the recommended price is from the manufacturer. Okay. But every online retailer will discount it. So I got it for $50. So It has a lot of components. So I'm not surprised that it's that expensive, but it's it's a pretty straightforward and simple game. So I would still not it's not worth more than 35 38 dollars <laughs> there is no way you make that much plastic for 35 dollars oh. so that's what i'm asking you you just said what i said but what i'm asking you is the price has clearly gone up because of the components so do the components add enough to the gameplay that's to right. make it worth the price that's i, a, that's I a think compared question. to saint malo for example it it definitely adds experience like a good experience to the game saint malo you kind of draw everything on the board and this is a lot more fun than yeah just the, the competition out there as you say it costs like 20 bucks 30 maximum and now they made this game that it's fantastic uh if it was without the plastic components we could compare it, compare it to saint malo 
So if it was just roll and write, would you say it's better than San Malo or not? I think it's a deeper game, yes. Me too. Yeah. So that's why I would say yes, it is the better game. So maybe you would pay more anyway. And now you pay more and you get something for it. You get also the the visual effects, yeah. Here's what I want to contribute to that as well, what, what I've been thinking. If this game just came with tiles, they could work on a two-dimensional surface. But it'd kind of be a mess, wouldn't it? Mm. Like, just trying to get everything organized. Um, it would I, be bad. I was thinking <laughs> the main he- thing that this game adds is not actually the building miniatures. It's the pegboard. So yes, it's the yes. idea that everything just sort of sticks in place. Totally. I think that's a big deal, especially imagine you build something. They're all touching each other. You get disease, which means you lose points, or you have to remove a building. Now you got to reach into the middle of this and pull out a cardboard tile. Like I know as someone with big fingers who's played Antiquity, who loves Antiquity, that's a disaster. It's a disaster. That's every gamer's nightmare. Yeah, exactly. So (laughs) it did add something. And like I said, my number one point on this game was it looks phenomenal. So what I would recommend with this game if you're wondering, if you're on the fence, is if you're comfortable knowing that you're overpaying for the type of game, but you're definitely not being gypped on the value of the items, then it's a terrific game. Like, it took me a while to figure out the negatives in this game. Um, I had to really sit and think. I, I really enjoyed it. We it's played just, it back there to aren't back. There enough walls. Dima <laughs> really, really got screwed on the walls. So, yeah. That's the one big negative. <laughs> they need to add more walls. But if you feel like you want the price to represent the gameplay, like the the level of depth and strategy in the gameplay, regardless of the amount and the quality of components, then look elsewhere. You could get a roll and write. I don't know how Roman roll is, but it seems similar. You have things like Saint Malo, um, you know, Welcome to stuff like that, but. All in all, if you think that you would like the way it looks and you're okay with overpaying for the gameplay, I cannot recommend it more. I think Era Medieval Age is a great game. I just wanted to say that uh, for people that they don't know, Matt Leacock is the guy that made Pandemic. So maybe that adds some value or some uh, <laughs> some bugs to the final price. Uh, also, I love the scale mechanism, as uh, Elias uh, said. I think that's the the main thing that makes this roll and write game different from the others. And I want to point out, uh, Byron, I want to point out that uh, Elias played this new game again within 24 hours <laughs> after his first play. I think that's the first that's time That's impressive. This <laughs> Unseen. <laughs> I was watching. Um, I can't remember where you- that. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I was watching a YouTube video of Matt Leacock, and he was actually talking about what his how much pressure it was for him to come up with another game because mm. he was worried about how he's successful, the pandemic guy, exactly, yeah. and pandemic and legacy. Like it's yeah. so. This is really good. Like. I think he did a great job because yeah. I feel like most of his other games tend to be co-ops, Forbidden Island, Forbidden Desert, Forbidden. Mm-hmm. So, um, and and I really like Nitwit, which is a party game he made, but it's not the most uh, loved party game out there. I really like it, especially when you play with Harriet so, and she makes all her clues about cheese, which is. <laughs> but anyway, going back to it, I feel like this is a another breakout for Matt Leacock. 
and it shows his range. After there was nothing in this game that felt pandemic-y. After Forbidden Island and Forbidden Desert, he made the Forbidden Price game. <laughs> <laughs> that was Era, Medieval Age. So guys, on to some news. Small World has decided to partner with Blizzard to create a Small World of Warcraft board game. Now, this board game looks very basic to start with. It's just a retheme of Small World. But the real problem is how Blizzard is so out of touch with its fans at the moment. There was an issue with Diablo for the mobile phone where the fans entirely rejected that. There was an issue with Small World board game and the issue with the Hong Kong protests. It just feels like this company is not in touch with its fans anymore. First of all, Small World of Warcraft, really nice play on words. Well done. <laughs> uh, but I feel, I think it looks like it's just going to be Small World with the races from Azeroth, which, yeah. which, which is great if you're a World of Warcraft fan. I was a bit disappointed when I saw the board. <laughs> um, yeah. But regarding what's happening with Blizzard, it's kind of a disaster. I know something similar happened in the NBA with LeBron James last week. But um, basically, um, whatever what's happening right now in Hong Kong is obviously a very controversial issue. And obviously the Chinese government taking away from the people's right to speak, which, I mean, the whole agreement of Hong Kong re-entering under Chinese uh, rule was that they maintained their own system of laws, which they had under the British. So they're not supposed to be subject to the laws of mainland China. However, Blizzard and everyone knows, like they literally created an extension for World of Warcraft with pandas because of how popular the game was in China. Like, yeah. how much how much income do you think Blizzard makes from China? In that weird sense, the Chinese population kind of owns Blizzard, right? So. Um, does that mean that they should suck up to those people? I mean, I, I completely think they should not, obviously. However, I'm not running their operations. <laughs> so maybe they're looking at it purely from a business perspective and they're like, this is how many people we're going to lose if we say something controversial. This is how many people we're going to lose if China goes away. And because like the Chinese government steps in and bans things, they're much more scared of an official block. So. I think from a PR perspective, yeah, I, I completely think they shit the bed. I'm not a big fan of what they're do, what they've done, which is a shame because Blizzard is like, Blizzard is the company of my teen years of my, you know what I mean? Like, I love Blizzard, and I really wish they stood up for something, and were more um, more outspoken about what's happening in Hong Kong and not turning against their own, you know, Hearthstone players. Yeah, but what? multi-billion dollar company stands up for what's right they usually go where the money takes them i mean that's how they became multi-billion exactly. dollar company <laughs> so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but as consumers maybe we have a responsibility to act or not act accordingly i think it's a good thing that people are voicing their concerns i just don't expect bill gates responses to things like, I just feel like, in general. It, they did apologize. It looks here like the president but, of uh, Blizzard at BlizzCon apologized. He said, Blizzard had the opportunity to bring the world together 
in, in a tough Hearthstone esports moment about a month ago. We did not. We moved too quickly in our decision-making, and then to make matters worse, we were too slow to talk to all of you. And then he said, when I think about how most unhappy I am, I think about two things. We didn't live up to the higher standards we set for ourselves. And secondly, we failed in our purpose. For that, I'm very sorry, and I accept accountability. That's a, that's a good apology. Wow. Yeah. Like, I, I, I'm just that comparing it to the, the Kickstarter apology. Kickstarter. <laughs> <laughs> Where they were like, we did nothing wrong. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> this guy's literally like, we had an opportunity to be bigger than a multi-billion dollar company. Yeah. And we failed. Or compared to LeBron James. <laughs> if, this was, if, if the board game industry was bigger into sports we'd talk about that but let's <laughs> yeah so so I think the biggest mistake that happened was that the guy voiced his concerns during an official live stream through official Blizzard uh, channels and that and I think that's where they got why they got so upset about uh, he's voicing his opinion on our official so it's, a, it's like an employee going up to the news and being like well this is this is what's happening at Coca-Cola. Mm. Like, it's okay to have an opinion, but don't use your company's resources for it, essentially. So, yeah, but but at the same time, if you're going to restrict people talking, uh, you're back to the censorship issue, which is the whole issue in Hong Kong to begin with. So um, I understand that that's probably why they overreacted. But, I mean, at least at least the president of Blizzard has publicly said, we we fucked up and that's that's yeah. worth something to me so yeah yeah i agree well done and i also think we should probably stop expecting um our multi-billion dollar companies to act like philanthropic organizations because we're going to keep being disappointed by <laughs> that's true and that was the current state of affairs over at blizzard corporation <laughs> well to, to i mean on, on the on, on the point of this i mean Hearthstone is basically a board game, right? It's a card game. It's basically a CCG. Yep. So it does it does directly impact our industry. And um, um, yeah, well, uh, more companies need to step up and do the right thing. For us, no one gives a shit what we think, obviously. But I do feel like at least, forget my opinion politically, which means nothing. The I mean, the people in Hong Kong are being kind of, you know, in the last couple of weeks, there have been demonstrations all over Lebanon, right? But when you're following it, you're watching it, The it's, it's kind of like a hopeful demonstration, and you're seeing a lot of the military, they're not using force against the people for the most part, and so on. When you look at the demonstrations in Hong Kong now, entering their six months, it's violent, it's gross, it, there's a lot of tear gas, there's a lot of aggression, so you don't want to see that, and our hearts are with the people that are, well, my heart, I can't speak for anyone else, mm. is with the people that are suffering under what is happening and the people that are being hurt by these demonstrations. I hope you come to the place where you want to be. And again, my personal opinion meaning absolutely nothing. I, I'm with you guys and uh, and I hope you get everything you want. So That's a good start for another podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Damn, info. <laughs> I was thinking, yeah, we can talk about Chile. The state of board games in Lebanon. Lebanon and <laughs> Hong Kong, yeah. All right, guys. Well, that's an important topic, if depressing. Um, so now to cheer us all up, Dima's here for the game show of the week, baby! Yeah! 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 Tell me 
what you think, what you really, really think. I'll tell you what I think, what I really, really think. Tell me what you think, what you really, really think. I'll tell you what I think, what I really, really think. Welcome to the game show of the week. This is Tell Me What You Think, What You Really, Really Think. I'll tell you what I think, what I really, really think. So the game rules are, I'm going to read uh, each of you two comments from BGG Forum. You have to guess what game it's for. Two get, like, basically, you're, you're going to have two comments per person. Yeah. Questions. We'll deal with ties when we get there. Once I finish reading the comment, you have five seconds to answer. Yeah, like if we're getting feel, there. I'm going to crush y'all. If you feel <laughs> like you got it throughout the comments, you can just interrupt me and guess. But you only have one guess. So oh. guess it, it's it, up to you. Guys, imagine you are reading a rule book and it says, we're going to deal with the ties when we get there. <laughs> <laughs> if you have a tie, just call me. It's like a, it's like a Phil Eklund uh, Sierra Madre book. They're like, this is how to play the game. These are not actually the full rules. For the full <laughs> rules, check the glossary. You're like, I'm reading the rule book. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Okay, so who wants to start? Any of us. Okay. We, we, we miss Byron. Byron's not talking enough. So Any start of with us. Byron. Oh, okay, Byron. Us. <laughs> <laughs> By force. Okay, Byron. Your first one is I'm sorry. But the French rules are very absolutely clear about these points. You cannot use a genius for replacement in these three options. One, when you have to pay a certain type of worker in a super project. Two, when you pay back a, spe a specified type of worker in a time portal. Three, when you need certain types of workers for your evacuation. Which is this an acronym? Yay! Wow. One point for Byrezi. Wow. Just, wow. Okay, shall we just do both per person and move on? Yeah, South sure. Africans are on fire okay. this week. Byron, <laughs> next it's one. All weekend. Rift cannons, finally patched? I saw that the rift cannons add-on appears to be changed from the Kickstarter version. So one, rift cannon ship parts now require two power instead of one. The broken rift turret discovery has been replaced with a different discovery that give a single rift die and a hull, costing one power. Totally glad to see the turret gone. The extra power on the rift cannon is definitely an improvement as well. Thoughts? Is this Eclipse? Yes! Nice. Wow. Well done! Wow, good job. Okay, so guys... Pressure's on. Byron started with two points. Come okay. I want to go second. Okay. Ipo, <laughs> Ipo's this is, excited this is, this now. Is, it's for South Africa. They, they can't lose. <laughs> they can't lose. Keeping up the pace. Okay. Ipo, first comment. Hi, all. As I check the monsters, I wonder where Kotahi comes from. I'm actually a Japanese, but never heard of it. Does it come from another Asian country? Or is it an original monster made by Simon? Anyone has an idea? Is it Rising Sun? Yeah! Oh, you guys right, like if Ipo got one, I feel like it's too easy this week. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like we're going to okay, get ties. Okay, guys. Ipo, like second comment. In f I swear I didn't give anyone the answers to this game. <laughs> Number two. 
In faster games or in games matched up against RG openers, training to coach instead of guru is often a better idea and can be pretty strong. You can get straight to chefs, discount managers, truck drivers, etc. with a coach. And guru isn't an advantage when trying to get EVP, HR director and CFO. That's food chain magnate. <laughs> Might as well just say the, all the rules at that point. Ipo, way well two done. points. For, I love how Elias gets oh so upset when no, you guys I, do I, well. Okay, like for example, Byron's one with Rift Cannon. That was a good one because, like, my my it's first my head was like Zaya upgrade. Yeah. Then you were like Energy. I was like Galaxy Trucker. Yeah. And then you started talking about hulls and shit. I was like, oh, yeah. that, that's definitely Eclipse. But with this one, you're like. Yeah, you went through all the members. <laughs> yeah, it could have stopped while while we said you said uh, training with a guru. Yeah, that would have that been was, good. Yeah, that yeah, would have been good. What's training with a guru? What's all that? all in all, she made it easy on you guys. Whatever. Yeah, because Ipo, I yeah, I felt bad last week. He did really bad. <laughs> I hope Elias's comments are like, I'm boycotting this game. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Elias, number one. I'm gonna lose. I feel it. My friends and I are noobs. In one of our first plays, something like this happened. Suppose there are no other pieces around. The bull player plays his king on the empty space between the two temples above. My understanding is this. The placement is perfectly legal because the bull player is uniting a region and a kingdom. I got it. Okay, you want to go first? Tigress and Euphrates. Yay! Good job! Uh, Guys, this is too easy for everyone. Uh, clearly. <laughs> okay. I think you're so, giving too many rules. Right? Really? Okay. Yeah. confused in the beginning, right? Uh, once you said the bull player, I was like, I own no games about bullfighting. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Elias, second option. Question. Comment. <laughs> Can someone help me understand how CEO's favorite project works? When playing, I never buy it because I don't know what it does. Answer. I think I know this one. Some cards have resources on them to provide an effect. Microbes, animals, whatever. If you have such a card in play and it has some resources already on it, this card lets you add another resource to it. I, I would like you to repeat the first part, please. Okay. Can someone help me understand how CEO's favorite project works? When playing, I never buy it because I don't know what it does. I Answer. No Some cards have resources on them to provide an effect. Microbes, animals, whatever. If you have such a card in play and it has some resources already on it, this card lets you add another resource to it. I'm so happy you don't know it. Do you? <laughs> Byron, do you? Really? I have a I feeling. Feel, feel, okay, I'm, I'm there's still more. Oh my gosh. Um, I've game with microbes and animals um, and CEOs. <laughs> That's the part that threw me off. CEO's favorite project and it has animals and microbes. Only if you already have an effect in play that gives you a bonus for completing events or got it for free or have a particular strategy that really needs resources on the cards. Otherwise, it's safe to pass on. I think it's safe to say I don't know this one. Byron, you want to try and guess? Um, will I be penalized if I guess wrong? No. <laughs> Is it terraforming Mars? Yes. Yes. Oh, that explains. I've played it once. Yeah. Oh. Uh, CEO. What's the CEO's favorite project? I have no idea. 
Okay, fun. so the microbes on the card can give you the because there's not that other makes game sense. I, sh- I should have I should have been able to figure that out. Yeah. Okay, Byron and Ipo, final round, bonus round. Okay, so oh, so there is a tiebreaker. <laughs> what I'm going to do? Yeah, she is wasn't lying. <laughs> I'm going to read you a comment. A person played the game and wrote a mini story of his experience. Okay, this is this is what he wrote. Android, activate. Android, what's the ship report? So basically he played the game and he's like, this is the story that I felt I wanted to write my experience, okay? We've run out of main fuel, which means the ship will be jumping into emergency hyperdrive soon. Engine status is unknown. GPS coordinates for hyperjump is unknown. So the ship is going to jump within the next hour, but we don't know if the engines will be able to hold up or if we'll simply explode. And if the engines are working, we don't know where we're going to end up. Android, do you have access to the captain's log? Latest entry is from four days ago. It reads, captain's log, day 213. I don't know what is real anymore. I have seen the visions that the others were warning me about. I didn't believe them at first, but I should have. Maybe I could have saved them. Maybe. My engineer is dead. Witnesses say he threw himself into the engine bay. Okay. And then I'm going to cut through a bunch of it. And then I'm going to say... Okay, I'm going to read the last sentence. So, I'm picking you three to figure out what happened. That's what he says next. I'm just paraphrasing the whole next paragraph. Okay, so the captain is picking three people to solve the mystery. Is it Black Angel? No. No. Epo? Oh. I, I really don't know what it is. I, I wrote Space Alert. No. Elliot? There's no, there's no people in Black Angel. You're just an AI on board. I thought Dark Moon. No. Oh, okay. It's Nemesis. Oh, Nemesis. Oh, Nemesis. Yeah. It's a co-op it's a and they have played. Oh. to figure out. <laughs> the game I can't well, none oh, of us have played Yes. Yeah, so uh, a little side note, the bonus round is games that you haven't played. <laughs> <laughs> this is a game I didn't know it exists. <laughs> I think I think Byron and Ipo are going to tie. Okay, uh, we're going to uh, do uh, one more. Okay, okay. Should we? No, should we just Go end for it. it? No, what? No. Okay, second comment. Ready, guys? Ready. Ready. If you're a wretched, guilt-ridden scumbag, why do you start with 15 honor? Thematically, wouldn't it make more sense if you had no honor? If you play with the treachery module, you can lose honor for some other benefits. By starting with 15, you have some margin to use those treachery cards. The difference between this game and Archmage is in Archmage, you're just getting spells to assist you as you move along the map. When you upgrade your priests, you're just accessing a new spell. There isn't much variety in the spells you get when you upgrade. The mechanics are the same. However, with this game, you can choose which paths you want to go, many ways to score victory points, and you have a personal goal you're trying to complete. This game replaced Archmage for me. Love the look of it on the table, but I personally find the game to be far superior game. <laughs> I'm ready. You should see the looks on their face. <laughs> okay. Uh, Byron? <laughs> Gaia project. <laughs> I don't know. Ipo? Gloomhaven? No. no. 
It's a strategy oh, game by Mark Needlinger, Orange Nebula LLC. Okay. Okay, you lost me. Rise to Nobility? No, it's called Vindication. Oh, it's Vindication. Oh, oh Vindication. Another oh, game I have no idea. Another game I've never played. That's on you guys. Both these games okay. have made millions of dollars in so, Kickstarter. Byron and Ipa both won. No, no, no. Yay! We all lost in game. We all lost today's game. I lost more no, than the rest no, of you. No, First of I, all, congratulations, Byron. How about this? How about no. this? I came, I came in third. You guys tied for second. How no. about? How about? I'm the show host. So Byron and Ipo tied for first, and Elias is third. Oh, <laughs> thank you, Dima. That was an good. amazing. Uh, oh, show. also, I have the power of editing, so I'm just gonna mute that. <laughs> oh, the superpower of editing. You guys don't get to win if you <laughs> if you can't get the. And break. that was the game show of the week, folks. Yay! Elias came third. Yay! Oh, do you guys hear that? No. Yeah, oh, I do. Oh, my yeah, favorite oh, song of the week. When do you think this is gonna get too old for the listener? Never. <laughs> Never. That's <laughs> the best part. You would think, but Ipo no. gets super pissed. <laughs> I'm we were we were at a postmodern excited. jukebox concert, that was amazing. and after the concert, everyone was running around dancing, and they put on Zorba the Greek. I was <laughs> shouting, looking for Epo. I was like, "It's the Democratic Corner! It's the Democratic Corner!" And we come, and we're all dancing, and then everyone in the audience gets into a huge like arm and arm chain, and they're running around, and they come and they're trying to grab Epo into the line, and he goes, "No, no, no! I'm Greek! I'm, I'm Greek. Greek! I'm Greek!" It was so funny. He kept telling them he's Greek. Oh. So obviously I don't do this nonsense. <laughs> it's the Hippocratic Corner! Yay! So guys, welcome to the 18th Hippocratic Corner. Is it the 18th? Yes. Yes. Bonus episodes don't have Hippocratic Corner. It says True. episode 18. Although no, we notes. did have one Africatic Corner. While well, I was away. Yeah, so that's the 17th. Yeah. So this is the 17th. <laughs> so this week, guys, I would like you to tell me your top three city building games. City building is one of my favorite uh, themes. I, love to, I loved to play SimCity uh, as a video game. And uh, nowadays, cities... Uh, uh, Skylines. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Sounds like you really love it. <laughs> I don't remember the name. I'm just playing it uh, there are several great city building games out there and I haven't played m so many of them but I want to, I, to try and tell you my top three first this I time. was shocked about how many I played by the way because I was like alright I'm just going to put the ones that I like not even the <laughs> ones that I know and then I'll, I'll rank them and then I had 12 <laughs> yeah I, I was counting like 9 or 10 exactly and then I was like alright so I just I was, I'm just going to scrap a bunch and leave just like whatever the ones I like the most. It took me a lot to get down to those top three, though. So uh, I'm going to start and uh, quickly I'm going to say that my number three is Era. Good choice. Wow. We just talked about it, so yeah, I'm not going to no. ex explain again. But I was thrilled by this game. We played it, uh, as we said, uh, twice in 24 hours and the second time was even better than the first one and you lost both times so I believe well he came in second the second time uh, yes yeah. so I, be I believe but, he, but no I, had, I had 30 points on him mm. <laughs> yeah but it was just one piece of wall 
<laughs> the difference was just one piece of gold. No, like, but as I, you know. <laughs> no, but I mean, it's, it's, it's such a good game that even it, though it you didn't win the first time you play it, because that's usually your cue for liking a game, it's no? No, no, never. <laughs> never. It's, uh, Damn, Dima, I, I Dima's think, fucking harsh today. <laughs> I think the game has potential. My number two game is Suburbia. Suburbia is uh, uh, one of the... Actually, I like urban planning games, okay? Because city building is a, a, a more uh, wide uh, category. Sure. But I prefer uh, uh, urban planning like Suburbia, and I think in this uh, category, in this specific category, it's the best one. Mm. And now the, there was a Kickstarter. It's even uh, better, the new version. Uh, Looks gorgeous, yeah. Yes, it's, it's really fantastic. And number one game, of course, there's no other way. It should be Antiquity. Nice. Antiquity is uh, Splotter uh, Spellen? Yes. <laughs> and uh, we love Splotter Spellen. There's no, there's no way it won't be number one. And uh, whoever hasn't tried that game, please try it as soon as possible. And that was my number three. My number, uh, sorry, that was my top three of city building games. Well, I'd like to go next because it's funny that that was your top three. Because that was my top three until I disqualified two of them. Wow. So I disqualified Whoa. Suburbia because I've only played it on the on the app. And uh. and the only time I played it in person, I played solo. So um, I felt like it wasn't right to put that on the list. But that would have probably been in my number two. And Era would have been my number three. But Dima said we're not allowed to put Era on the list because we're talking about it during the banter. <laughs> So I removed that from my list. Oh. But you clearly oh. weren't reading the group chat. So, <laughs> <laughs> so my actual top three are in third place, Medina from Stronghold Games. Oh, I've never played it. Medina is probably the only game I'd say that looks better than Era when it comes to city building games. Just because Era has these plastic pieces, but Medina has these gorgeous wooden pieces, and they all have... Imagine you're all building the same city, which is why well, it's completely different. But there's a push your luck aspect in that game, which is just brilliant, which is where you want to claim as large an area as possible, but also the first person to claim it by putting their color roof on it is going to claim that. So, yeah, if you wait one more round, then this area might be six or seven buildings large, but it might not get back to you. So you got to gauge that, like, do I want less points or and guarantee the points? Or do I want to wait and hope it comes back to me so that I can claim this area for more points? And I really like this game because we always team up on Epo and it's splendid. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, at the end of the day, you got to be like, all right, who are we going to screw over <laughs> at some point? And it's always the Ipo. best gamer. So that's my, oh, geez. All right. <laughs> when was the last time you beat me at a game? <laughs> oh, just uh, earlier in this episode. Anyway. <laughs> Um, my number two on the list is Quadropolis. Um, it's from Days of Wonder. And Quadropolis, um, there's a lot to Quadropolis. So um, it might look like a simple game. It's just a 4 by 4 grid. I never played the 4 by 4 to be honest with you. I always played the advanced game from the first time because the advanced game is still an intro-level game. I really like the puzzle in Quadropolis. I don't know what it is about that game that... It's one of those games that if anyone ever asks to play it, my answer is always yes. Um, 
it's short, it's pleasant, it looks nice, and it still scratches my brain in a nice way. And you play the game in 30 minutes to 40 minutes. So it's it's maybe my favorite game from Days of Wonder, um, that or Memoir 44. And um, I really like it. I like trying different things, trying uh, building larger uh, manufacturing areas versus building more parks versus political buildings. There's many different strategies you can take. And I, I just, I've always enjoyed it and I've always tried different strategies. I never just double down on what I know works. Um, so that was my number two quadrupolis. And as you can do, if you have any sort of powers of deduction, the one that I did not take off the list that Epo had was Antiquity, which without a doubt is the greatest city building game pretty much ever made. Um, you're building a lovely city. You can't say no. <laughs> you're building a city on a grid. You can have multiple cities. So you can actually be building multiple cities and city planning is super important or you end up like Dima with two cities full of graves and, <laughs> <laughs> and no way to come back from it. Memorable picture. Yeah. So uh, Antiquity, phenomenal game. Um, I think it's, it's in my top 10 games of all time. And as it is a city building game and a civilization game to a certain amount, it has to be Antiquity at my number one. And the heavier. The yeah, heavier probably game. the heaviest city building game out there, but it's so worth playing. I mean, it, it's fiddly. The rules are tough. They're old. Um, the game doesn't look the best, but God damn, it's a good game. It's such a good game. And it scratches your brain in such a wonderful way. So highly recommended. My number one and Epo's number one, Antiquity. Thank you, Elias. Great top three. Let's go to Byron. My top three has been done before. And I've mentioned them on quite a few other podcasts, so I don't feel too bad about it. In number three is Quadropolis. It's a very simple city building game. I like the tiles. I like that you can have parks and harbor districts and t tall high-rise buildings. I like that aspect of it. It reminds me the most about SimCity. My number two is Suburbia. I have played it more than once in real life, so I can actually add it on my list. <laughs> Suburbia is Quadropolis' biggest brother, right? Pretty much, yes. The point scoring is slightly more intricate, I think. Then my number one is Glory to Rome. Oh, oh, Glory to Rome! Oh, awesome! I totally forgot that one. Me too. Uh, Me too. I hate all of you for forgetting it. But in <laughs> Glory to Rome, you're literally building, rebuilding Rome from the fire. So you'll have walls, you'll have granaries, you'll have some soldiers. It's a city building game. Awesome. Glory to Rome. We say Glory to Rome in Glory to Rome, right? Every time you get a card, you say Glory to Rome, right? It's a Hail Caesar. Oh, Hail Caesar, not Glory to Rome. I'm kidding. Yeah. He's the Ave Caesar. <laughs> Which makes sense. Yeah. Ave Caesar. Thank and that you, Byron. Was my top three. Uh, and last but not <clears throat> I'm least. I'm sorry, I wasn't here. What was your top three? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I know you said Quadropolis before I left. And then Suburbia. Suburbia. Then... Okay, that's what I was missing. All right. Okay. And Glory to Rome. Good choices. So last but not least, let's go to Dima. Okay, my top three. My number three, Ipo and Lena introduced me to it. Welcome to. Mm. And I loved too. it. <laughs> it's it's like a combination of Tetris <laughs> with 
some gambling because you're hoping that the numbers you want will come out. <laughs> It's a suburb building day. <laughs> he was laughing at his joke because he said, you're welcome to. <laughs> that's why I was laughing. He's still laughing. He's been laughing for like 30 seconds. He was back with his dad jokes. That's a good My, choice. My uh, number two is Keyflower. Uh, it's on borderline city building, Epo. <laughs> Don't give me that look. No, it just gave her a look of death. <laughs> no, but she's right. It is a yeah, it's a villi- Dima has, village building. Dima has suburb building and village building. Yeah. No city and building. A and uh, my number <laughs> one, big shocker, Antiquity. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, it was an amazing was... game. Even wow. though my city was filled with graveyards and I killed everybody. <laughs> um, hopefully my next gameplay will be better. It was an unforgettable experience, I'll do better for right? my people. <laughs> so you guys better bring that and so I can play it. <laughs> It's gigantic. It's it's huge. It's That's the okay. biggest box. It's probably the large one of the largest boxes I have. So it's okay. No, it's not. Gonna- <laughs> <laughs> so thank you all for these amazing top threes. Uh, for the listeners, please please let us know what your top three is on our Twitter account at TT Sessions QA or over at our BGG Guild. Both these links will be in the episode description. And even though this is our 18 episode, making us officially no longer minors and we're now an adult podcast, it's oh, not yeah. the titty, it's not titties sessions, it's TTS sessions. <laughs> And episode 21 will be titty session. <laughs> it's titty sessions, right? TTS sessions would be with twists, right? Yeah, guys, our Twitter is at T-T-S-E-S-S-I-O-N-S-Q-A. Just, just say just the letter. Whatever you want, however you want to pronounce it, whatever makes you happy. T-T Sessions. I end up like Epo. Or T-T Sessions, whatever it is. T-T Sessions. That brings us to the end of this tabletop session. Thank you so much for listening. Please check out our very active Instagram account at Tabletop Sessions. You should have really just gone for tabletop sessions on Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) You can reach us through Twitter at TT Sessions QA or join the conversation over at our Board Game Geek Guild. And you can find the link to all of these in the episode description. Please rate us on iTunes and on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us, guys. I know I make this plea every time, but every time someone has rated us, it's really helped push the podcast to grow And the more it grows, you know, the better it is <laughs> for, for all of us involved. And we'll love you forever if you do. We'll be back in three weeks. And until then, to quote one of my favorite writers, God damn it, you've got to be kind. Say bye, guys. Bye, guys. Bye, guys. Bye, guys. Tabletop, tabletop, bye-bye. Tabletop, Au revoir. Tabletop, 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 Tablet
This is Byron. <laughs> and this is our after credit scene. <laughs> this is an awkward introduction of the hosts of Tabletop Sessions podcast. So, guys. Speaking of awful years, fuck that 2008, right? <laughs> <laughs>